Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. We are back here today after a week off. Hopefully, the last one of those for some time here on the show. And boy, there is plenty to talk about. From the very top of the university to future Boilermakers, there has been no shortage of news over the past two weeks, especially when you add on basketball landing a potential key contributor for next year's roster. Let's waste no time today. We'll start at the very top. But first, hey, as always, if you don't already, follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Lots of stuff there on the Twitter account, keeping you up to date with the wave of football commitments that we are going to dive into here soon. And talking all things college athletics, because we are in talking season for college football. Plenty of things to discuss, so join the conversation there. And subscribe, if you don't already, wherever you get your podcasts. We are available pretty much everywhere. And hey, we always appreciate support. Tell a friend, give a positive review. Whatever your style may be, we will take whatever we can get. But... A week and a half ago now, as I record this, Monday night, June 20th, week and a half ago, we got a little Friday afternoon news uh, ahead of the weekend when word came out that Mitch Daniels was going to retire, or I guess resign, as Purdue's president at the end of 2022. How about that for some Friday afternoon news? And... They named the new president already, Dr. Moon Chang. Uh, he comes in after being the dean of engineering for the last five years, educated at Stanford, and came to Purdue from Princeton. So uh, certainly very well educated, certainly a lot of experience in higher education, and a very young guy, uh, very young compared to Mitch Daniels and a lot of past presidents. So Mitch Daniels leaves Purdue after a complete decade, started in January of 2013, goes all the way through December of 2022. And look, from an academic administration side of things, I can't necessarily tell you too much about what to expect from Dr. Chang. I I would have no idea how you even project that kind of stuff. But from an academic side... Mitch Daniels has done an excellent job at growing Purdue University. I say this as someone who both enrolled and graduated at Purdue during the Daniels administration. And look, it was, it's been remarkable to see how much has changed since 2013 to now. He's done a fantastic job on that end. Dr. Chang certainly has big shoes to fill there, but this isn't an academic show by any means. As a College of Liberal Arts graduate, I'm probably the wrong one to talk academics to begin with. But from an athletic standpoint, you know, at the end of the day, after 10 years on the job, the progress that Purdue Athletics made under Mitch Daniels is very noted. And by no means was that all from Daniels. Maybe that wasn't even the majority from Daniels. I know it's been Fairly well reported that this board of trustees was very active in promoting the advancement of Purdue athletics, in 
moving from where they were in 2013 when Purdue finished last in the Big Ten in both football and men's basketball to now, uh, it's night and day. It is certainly market improvement. And that's certainly led by Mike Berghoff on the board of trustees. He's the head guy there. Uh, But you've seen it certainly on the basketball front. Um, Purdue has gotten to the point where Matt Painter is certainly well compensated. You know, Mitch Daniels came in soon after the Matt Painter to Missouri drama where he was being vastly underpaid at Purdue. That changed. His assistants have been paid well. You know, he doesn't lose assistants to other programs as assistant coaches. You know, guys go on to be head coaches. They're being paid well on that front. Mackey Arena's in great shape. They've done a nice job at maintaining that. But you see the strides on the football front uh, more than anything because the first four seasons of Purdue football under Mitch Daniels were a train wreck. Uh, You all remember what happened under Daryl Hazel. Uh, It was bad. It was embarrassing. And Purdue has grown the football program under, uh, under Mike Babinski during Mitch Daniels' administration. You saw Mitch Daniels' commitment to athletics back in December of 2018 on the forefront when Jeff Brom was flirting with the Louisville job and Purdue made sure that Jeff Brom received everything he needed from a buy-in perspective at Purdue. And that's not something that Purdue would have always done. But it was well reported that Mitch Daniels you know, personally reached out to Jeff Brom, letting him know he wanted him to stay, uh, handled that situation with a lot of class and was rewarded when Jeff Brom stayed at Purdue. You look at the improvement in facilities uh, in terms of football. The stadium has improved tremendously from where it was in 2013. Again, this a lot of this happened on the back half of Mitch Daniels' administration. And I think it took probably took football bottoming out to get that buy-in, certainly to get fundraising up. You know, people don't like to donate to a god-awful program, and that's what Purdue was from 2013 to 2016. But the stadium's in much better shape. You have the Kozich Performance Complex right there on Northwestern Avenue. Very, very nice building. Great area for the players to improve with the weight room and everything that's in there. Another $60 million just got committed to uh, redoing Ross 8 a little bit. Uh, More seating in the south end zone. New tunnel, new nutrition complex. So, look, things have gotten a lot better. Purdue has had that buy-in, and it needed it because preceding Mitch Daniels was France Cordova, who was as anti-athletics as you can possibly get at a Power 5 institution, save for Vanderbilt, Duke, not even Duke, Vanderbilt, Northwestern, Stanford. That's about it. Um, That was just brutal. No buy-in new athletics at all. But Purdue has, especially over the past five years, really spent the money needed to be a player in the Big Ten. And now Dr. Chang takes over at a time where 
that's going to be needed again because in case you haven't heard, college athletics are in a bit of a whirlwind right now. Uh, By no means am I one of those who thinks the end of college athletics is near, but boy, there's some uncertainty going on right now. You have name, image, and likeness, the absolute dominant topic on that front, uh, certainly causing controversy. You have a one-time transfer portal causing an almost unrecognizable version of college athletics. If you were to show this to someone in 2013 when Mitch Daniels took over, you have conference realignment. A lot of questions there uh, in terms of what does the future look like? Is the Big Ten going to grow? I don't think so right now, but should this name, image, and likeness stuff change? Should these players become paid like professionals? Uh, there are a lot of decisions to be made. So while Dr. Chang is not taking over the athletic department, uh, that's certainly not the case. Purdue has long separated the athletic side and the academic side of the university very strongly. I mean, heck, it's one of the few schools that does not use tuition to fund athletics, which I don't agree with, but many people do, so be it. Uh, He does have a lot to oversee here. He has a strong athletic director in Mike Babinski. I think the previous administration on the athletic side uh, would not have handled this as well. I do think there is a pretty clear difference in what athletics looks like right now than what it did back in 2016 when Mike Babinski came in. I think there's a correlation there. You know, some of this big picture stuff probably isn't the most interesting to listen to, so we're going to wrap it up here. But, you know, Purdue did. They operated for a really long time without wanting to invest in athletics at the high level that it takes to be competitive towards the top of the Big Ten. They're probably never going to spend like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. The money doesn't come in like that. You don't have a 100,000-seat football stadium. You don't have a state drowning of non-alumni fans. But they're spending to be competitive. And it would be a shame if that buy-in from Hovde Hall kind of goes away and things start to slide downhill. I don't see it happening, especially not with this board of trustees, but it's something to keep an eye on because it is crucially important as Purdue moves further into what is, again, almost unrecognizable is the best word I can use to describe the current state of college athletics compared to what it was when Daniels took over. But all right. Enough of the administration talk. Let's talk ball. Basketball. I know this is certainly the topic that you all came here for because I I know our numbers. I know our engagement. You guys are basketball people. I am too. I love football equally, but we'll get to that later. Basketball lands David Jenkins Jr., a 6'1", 200-pound guard, most recently played at Utah He did have stops before that at South Dakota State and UNLV. Uh, That would be 
that move from South Dakota State to UNLV solely to follow his coach, TJ Otzelberger, who's now at Iowa State. Jenkins comes in with one year of eligibility remaining. Now, this has been a long process for Purdue trying to get a guard on this roster for next year. I have been, I think, pretty clear on this podcast of my belief that Purdue absolutely had to add a guard, that it would be unfair to its true two true freshman guards to not add someone to the backcourt. You'd be asking them to carry far more weight than they can handle if they didn't. Now, Jenkins isn't a point guard. Purdue had certainly targeted point guards prior to this. Uh, Nigel Pack would have played point guard had he come to Purdue. We know now that he was bought by Miami. The NCAA is now investigating that. Um, Nigel Pack will not get punished. I doubt that John Ruiz, the billionaire lawyer, gets punished at all. I don't think much will come of that, but certainly Purdue tried with Nigel Pack. Tyrese Hunter, Purdue was in it till the end. He goes to Texas. Uh, There were a few other guys Purdue had floated some interest in, but they land with David Jenkins, and he's an off-ball type of guy, but I don't know that Purdue's offense is necessarily one that you need that traditional point guard. Braden Smith fits that role. Uh, I've seen Braden Smith more than any of the other three recruits coming in. Um, and he's he fits that traditional point guard role. But I, I think Purdue's going to have to do some stuff without a traditional point guard a lot. I don't, I don't know that Jenkins can handle that. I think you might see Ethan Morton playing a point guard role this year on offense. But I think you may see Jenkins take that role on defense, kind of the way you did when Purdue had no gel Eastern. He often guarded the guy out on the wing, you know, that prolific score at the two or the three, whereas Carson Edwards may take the more traditional point guard. I think that's something you may see here. This isn't new for Purdue, though. You know, as I mentioned, that Elite Eight team didn't have a traditional point guard on offense because while Carson Edwards fit the size description, he was a shooter. He was a scorer. He was not a point guard. You look at the most beloved team in Purdue, recent Purdue history under Matt Painter. I mean, Etwan Moore, not a traditional point guard. Keaton Grant, really not a traditional point guard. Chris Kramer, not a point guard. That was a backcourt of a team that was number three in the country before the unthinkable and unmentionable happened back that February. But that was an elite team without your traditional point guard. So I think what you get in Jenkins is a scorer. You get someone who averages just shy of 15 a game on his career, 43% from the field, but 41% from three. A little bit lower numbers last year at Utah. I don't want to read too much into it because that was an awful team. I don't know what the dynamics at play were there, but he comes into a backcourt that, needs someone who can go score. Because while I like Ethan Morton a lot as a player, I don't think he's going to be your starter. Excuse me, your big scorer, not starter. He is going to be a starter. 
I don't think he's going to be your big scorer. I don't think he's a double-digit scoring type of guy, at least not right now. I think Brandon Newman's due for a bounce-back year, but I'd be careful with how high you put the expectations on him because he can be a little streaky, as we saw last year. Now, this year he will have the opportunity to play through struggles more if they come. But, again, he's not a real proven guy as a leading scoring guard on your team. You have two true freshmen as well. And then however you slot Brian Waddell, however you slot Camden Heidi, you know, those guys will be at the three probably. But you need some scoring. And Purdue gets it here. I think by no means was he their first choice, and that's okay to say. I think he's still a good addition. We're going to talk next week on the show about basketball. It's going to be our last big basketball episode for the summer. Uh, we're going to start getting into football more. So we'll have more to come next week on David Jenkins Jr., but Purdue's probably done in the portal now. I'd be shocked if they added another body. Uh, you have the freshman on campus. You have Braden Smith sitting out right now, still recovering from foot surgery. Uh, we're going to see... How this team looks, we're going to see what it is. I don't think this is another, you know, top 10 nationally team by any means. I think some of the projections that have them as a preseason top 25 may be a little ambitious, but these are the teams that Matt Painter tends to do well with. Uh, this is a good group. There is talent here, and it'll be really interesting to see how they come together ahead of November. Over the past couple weeks since we had our last episode, though, basketball was not the only Purdue team to pick up a key transfer. Football picks up Kobe Lewis, a transfer running back from Central Michigan. Pretty solid numbers up there in Michigan. He had 182 carries for over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns back in 2019. I don't know how many games they played in 2020 with all the COVID stuff going on, but 105 carries, 468, and six touchdowns. Missed last season with a knee injury. He comes in as a grad transfer, meaning he is eligible right away. I believe he's a two-year guy. I think he has two years of eligibility should he decide to use that second. He joins King Daru, Samson James in that backfield, among a couple other guys, uh, Dylan Downing, Devin Maccabee. Pretty decent trio, though, with Doru, James, and Lewis in the backfield. Look, Purdue, Purdue spent a lot of time trying to get a running back in this year's portal class. Remember, they had Christopher Brooks committed for a little bit. I'm trying to remember where he ended up. He was a Cal transfer. I don't remember where he ended up, but he decommitted pretty soon after he committed to Purdue. Purdue's not the easiest place to recruit a transfer running back. Um, in case you haven't noticed, they throw the ball a lot. They have not run the ball successfully. They have finished last in the Big Ten and rushing three years in a row. Have been under 100 yards per game on the ground three years in a row. That's not good. Ideally, you'd like to change that. And I think, keyword think, uh, no guarantees here, but I think... Kobe Lewis can provide a little bit of big play threat. Uh, you know, he had some at Central Michigan, and now the competition steps up. 
Purdue's offensive line has not exactly been the strength of the team over the past few years. They do get some key pieces back this year. I think it should be a decent group. But look, Purdue barely had runs of 20-plus yards last year. Uh, I know King DeRue had one against IU. Maybe there was a big one early on in the season. I think Doru might have had one at Notre Dame that was pretty big too, but there weren't many of them. And that's something you'd like to see. This isn't going to be an offense where they hand the ball off a lot, not with Aiden O'Connell especially, but a running game would be nice because I know this isn't going to be the most popular thing to say, but when you look at Purdue last year and you look at what Purdue has back this year, there's a big glaring circle at wide receiver because you lost your top three wide receivers once Milton Wright became ineligible. He's still listed on the roster. I have no reason to think that he will be playing this fall. So you lose your top three wide receivers. It's probably not reasonable to expect that offense, that passing output to be just as high as it was last year. I mean, Purdue threw the ball a ton, but when you lose those receivers, you've got to have guys step up and they certainly have capable receivers of stepping up. I love Mershawn Rice. I really like Abdur Rahman Yassin. Uh, Brock Thompson was awesome in the bowl game. How is he going to be as a more pre- more prevalent receiver, a more prevalent target? You have the two Iowa guys coming in. I'm very high on them. You have a great tight end room, but you're expecting that production to match what David Bell and Milton Wright and Jackson Anthrop did, that's a big ask. If you can get some more help on the ground and go from, I think, 83 yards per game on the ground, if you can get that over 100, you can get that to 110, you lower what's needed from the passing game a little bit. And if you can convert some of those short yardage situations that Purdue has been awful at, you can help put away games. Purdue's going to be leading in games this year. They have a lot of games that are going to be close point spreads, and we'll talk about it in our schedule preview. That's coming up in August. There are going to be a lot of games where Purdue is between a six-point favorite and a six-point underdog. Winning as many of those as possible is key. You have to find ways to put games away when you're up. And while Purdue lived dangerously doing that at times last year. I think back to Michigan State when things got really dicey at times, when they kept settling for field goal after field goal and giving the ball back to Michigan State. If you can run the ball a little bit better and convert a little bit more on the ground, you can really see a little bit more progress coming for the offense there and take some of the pressure off of Aiden O'Connell's shoulders. I know, I'm high on him too, but the expectations are really high for Aiden O'Connell. That's that's fair. He's he's a good quarterback, but expecting him to be Drew Brees, that's a big ask. So hopefully this helps Purdue improve their ground game a bit, and hopefully that offense can continue to produce the way it did last year. I think Kobe Lewis could be a big part of that. 
Maybe he could even start week one. I don't know that there's a clear leader out of any of those three. No clear pecking order one through three, in my opinion. Finally, one last football-related note. Commitments are everywhere. I think as we speak, Purdue is up to nine or ten commits. Uh, I'm looking it up right now because they're really doing a nice job. Uh, They're getting a lot of players. They are, if my Wi-Fi wants to get this to load here, up to nine commits. So you've got nine commits so far. Uh, Defensive heavy, without a doubt. Very defensive heavy. Three defensive linemen already. And as I tweeted out, Mark Hagan is an absolute machine out on the recruiting trail. He was an excellent recruiter for Joe Tiller back in the 2000s. He is doing it here again. Last year, he got two big-time defensive ends in, Joe Strickland, Nick Carraway. I cannot wait to see both of those guys at Purdue. This year, already three defensive line commits, two from Kentucky, one from Tennessee, really doing a nice job in that area that Jeff Brom has done a very good job recruiting at Purdue. You look at Guys like Corey Trice, guys like TJ Sheffield, Milton Wright, uh, Rondale Moore. A lot of guys who are very talented players from that area. Uh, I think Purdue would still take more on the defensive line. I think this is going to be a defensive-heavy class. I do think it's going to be interesting to see how Purdue prioritizes things with the transfer portal being so prevalent now. You're not going to be taking 25 guys in a high school class anymore. I I think that number is going to be closer to 15 to 20, and then you're going to play with the portal for the rest. You don't have an 85-man, or excuse me, you don't have a 25-man class limit anymore, but you still have to be at under 85 scholarships. So how things go there, it's going to be interesting to watch the development of football recruiting because... It's changed the way we traditionally look at it. But right now, I really like what Purdue's done. Uh, You can start looking at recruiting rankings if you would like, but I'll just note that when we're early enough in the recruiting cycle that Texas Tech and Northwestern are in the top 10 and Alabama's in the 40s, we're a little bit too early to really start caring about ratings. What I do think is important is the the player ratings that Purdue is signing because stars matter. Stars absolutely matter. Almost all these guys, all of these guys are three stars on 24-7 sports besides Ricky Collins. Ricky Collins, the four-star quarterback out of Louisiana who certainly is the biggest storyline as it relates to this class because his stock keeps going up Oregon and Florida State have come knocking. I think he's going to take some more visits, but he has really, and recently with an interview with On3, he really doubled down on his commitment to Purdue, very boldly stating that he's going to be a Boilermaker and we're going to see his commitment to Purdue show. I have no reason to doubt him. I think it's going to be interesting with what happens with his hometown team, LSU, They're really going strong for that five-star quarterback out of Michigan, Dante Moore, right now. 
If you're a Purdue fan, you should probably hope LSU gets him just to try to hold on to Collins because, man, what would their last recruiting win this big be? Rondale Moore, maybe. Uh, the quarterback position is just so big. I mean, this is bigger than going way back with Ray Edwards or with Danny Etling or Austin Appleby, you know, one of those Elite 11 quarterbacks. I mean, this is big time. If Purdue can hold on to him, that is a massive win on the recruiting trail. I Again, I think Purdue's going to take around 15 to 20 in this class. They're going to always be right at 85 scholarships. I have no doubt about that. But it's always going to be a storyline because that's a hard cap, but you always want to add as much as you can out of the transfer portal. And I think Purdue will always take anyone they can get that they think is going to help that upcoming year's team. You saw that a lot this year, especially with taking Kobe Lewis in June. Uh, so that's not going to change. Going to be interesting to follow this moving forward, but Purdue is off to a very good start on the football recruiting trail. As I mentioned at the start, I am hoping that we've had our last off week of the summer, uh, and that would really take us, in all likelihood, barring anything unforeseen, all the way through the end of the upcoming basketball season uh, without a week off. Next week, we are going to look at basketball. It's going to be the final time of the summer because there's not that much to talk about. I know you guys like it. I enjoy it as well. So we'll get a good off-season look at where the Big Ten is, where they're going to be moving forward uh, as we go into this fall. But after that, going to be a lot of football. I... I'm looking at a mailbag sort of episode in two weeks there to record on the night of the 4th of July. After that, I've got everything scheduled out for preseason preview stuff. I can't wait. Please, though, submit some questions for that mailbag-style episode. Tweet them to me, at Boilers Beyond. Uh, if you leave a podcast review and put questions in there, I will answer them on the show, however you want to do it. Just get the questions to me. I'll answer them, and hopefully we can do that. Looking forward to that, though. Looking forward to what's to come. It is an exciting time for Purdue sports. A lot to be excited about ahead of this upcoming academic year and the sports that go with it. But that's all I have for you today. Thank you, as always, for spending your time with me. Again, next week, we're going to talk some hoops after Jade Nivey gets drafted. Hopefully, Travion Williams gets drafted. We will look at where the Big Ten is all around the conference. We'll see where Purdue stacks up. It's way too early, but that's what we do on this show. We don't take breaks, so we're going to talk about it. Follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Send me those questions, folks. Football, basketball, Big Ten, nationwide college athletics, whatever. Uh, I've got so much stuff I'm excited to talk about to preview this football season. So be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any of that stuff. But until next time, stay cool. It's getting hot as can be out there. Stay cool. Go play some golf. Go jump in a lake. Have some fun out there, folks.